Hi, this is Sarit Schwetzer, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast, a podcast devoted to the teachings of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, as recorded in his most famous work, the Tanya. My hope for this show is to make these teachings accessible and relatable to the average person, regardless of prior Jewish education or affiliation. The episodes follow the prescribed daily study portions and are meant to serve as practical lessons in how to live your life as your true self and develop an authentic and powerful relationship with your creator. I have personally experienced the effects the study of this work has had on me, and I'm excited to share what I can of this knowledge with you. So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Top podcast. This is episode 233 for the 14th of Telmos in a leap year. So how long do you think it takes to establish a new habit or to break an old habit? So this is something which many people talk about, right? I don't know if you've ever tried to take on a new habit or to try to break a bad habit of some kind. Um, And so while there's no solid uh, scientific evidence for any of this to give a really strong and definitive answer, I don't know if there have been any studies in this regard, Um, maybe different habits are different and stuff like that. There is something that keeps coming up in a lot of literature, a lot of Um, kind of informal books about habits, habit creation and formation that keeps coming up. And that's the number three. So some people talk about it in terms of three days. Some people say it takes three months. I suppose it depends on how deeply ingrained the habit is, is or how involved the habit is. But there's something about the number three that really makes something into not just an activity, but a pattern. So for example, like let's say if you want to take on a habit of working out, of exercising every day. So let's say you you sign up for a gym membership and you go to the gym. It's your first day at the gym. So it's probably going to be really exciting, right? You're super pumped. You're really, really motivated and all that. And you go to the gym and it's this really fun experience, hopefully, and it's really good. You go home. Day two, you wake up, you may or may not be um, excited to go to the gym, but you force yourself to go. Okay, great. You force yourself to go. It's really not what you usually do. You usually take a long time eating breakfast in the morning or something like that. And instead, you force yourself to get to the gym and it's starting to feel a little familiar. It's your second day there. It's not as new, novel anymore. By the third day, when you go to the gym, it starts to become a pattern. It's no longer this like totally new thing. You start to look at the gym, everything seems familiar. You start to feel like the type of person who goes to the gym. And we can think about this in terms of uh, stopping negative behavior as well. So let's say you want to stop eating after 7 p.m. Let's say you you want to uh, take on going to sleep on a little bit of an empty stomach to not be so full when to be a night eater. So let's say you do this the first night. It might be really difficult. It might be really unusual for you because uh, you usually snack late at night and that kind of thing. And then you stop doing that and it might be like really hard. But then the second day, you know, you do it again, you force yourself and it might be difficult, but it maybe gets a little bit easier. Again, by day three, it starts to become a pattern. It doesn't mean that you may never fall or fail again, but this is the beginning of the formation of a pattern. 
There's again, that idea of the three months. Uh, I don't know. You can try that yourselves and see if it really, if, if that really makes sense that after, um, after three months, that's when the habit really becomes ingrained. That's when it really sticks with it and it becomes a part of you. So it's interesting that this number three keeps coming up in the literature around habit formation, especially in light of what we're going to be learning about today in the Tanya, which supports this idea that there's something about this number three. There's something about three, about doing something three times that really makes it a part of who you are. So since the topic here is tshuva, so we're talking here about the idea of returning to God after making mistakes, after going against God's will. So this is the Tanit discusses here the idea of unfortunately when somebody makes a mistake, when somebody sins, when somebody goes against the will of God and how when a person does this once, then okay, that's not a great thing, right? But like, okay, they can kind of like dismiss it as like maybe a blip and in, in it's not really who they are. It's like, oh shoot, I made a mistake. You do it twice. Okay. Also not so great. Once you do something three times, then it starts to become a pattern. Then it's like, okay, this is kind of, I'm starting to become d defined by this thing that I've been doing. And so the good news with us, um, is what we'll learn today is that just as it takes three times for something to become a part of who you are to do so, to do a certain action and it becomes a part of who you, of your definition of yourself you can use this power of three by in in order to have this thing no longer be the definition of who you are so like if you don't go to the gym for three times in a row that kind of means that you're not the type of person that kind of means like if somebody says to you like what gym do you go to and you're like oh i go to crunch gym or whatever it's like if you miss three days in a row uh, you can't really call yourself the type of person who works out at the gym. But if you go for three days in a row, then you can confidently tell people that you are a gym goer. You are a fitness person. You work out, right? So same thing here. So the way this comes up today is in the context of the idea of fasting, which we've been discussing, again, is not chuva. So fasting itself is not chuva. Chuva, again, is merely, um, is, is, is simply... A, Acknowledging the fact that you did something wrong, resolving to not do it again in the future and stop doing that negative thing. That's what it is. But but fasting, as we spoke about yesterday, can be a nice accessory to tshuva in the sense that it's sort of like a gift that we're giving to God as a form of appeasement to restore ourselves into his good graces. So um, what we began discussing yesterday is that the, the sages actually discussed in a very, they actually made a whole system of fasts and discussed how many fasts are good um, and are appropriate to, for um, for different sins. So if somebody commits a certain type of sin, then there's a prescription for how many fasts they should do in order to restore their good graces to God. Again, it's not in order to fix the blemish in their soul because that's what that's what Shiva accomplishes, but this is in order to uh, restore themselves into the, the good graces of God. So where this leads us into is into a whole discussion of, okay, so it starts to become a little bit out of hands. Like, let's say if a person does a certain sin and some of the prescribed number of fasts for some of these sins are is pretty high. We're going to learn about a certain sin today that the prescribed number of fasts for it is 84. So if you have uh, 84 fasts every time you do that sin, what if you, God forbid, commit this sin multiple times, then it's it's just going to, you're going to be fasting your whole life, right? So the good news with that is that according to the Arizal, the maximum number of like per times that you need to do these 
prescribed fasts is three. Because just like, and this goes back to that power of three, just like the power of three, it takes three times to do something, whether, uh, let's say in this case, we're talking about sins, in order to have that thing like be really be ingrained. So, so too, it takes three um, rounds, three repetitions of the fasting in order to uh, obliterate that effect that the that the sin had. So let's get into the text and see how the altar bit explains this. So for context, we are in the beginner, beginning of chapter three of the Gerasa Tshuva, and um, the altar bit begins by talking about the the sages of the Musar. So the Musar um, sages who lived after the Arizal, and he talks about how they were divided um, in term in in their opinions about somebody who repeated a sin many times like how many fasts should they do so some of them said that there's okay there's a prescribed number of fasts that that a person should do if they engage in a certain sin so every time that person sins then they need to engage in those certain number of fasts for for so for example so here the altar gives an example of the emission of um of wasting seed so like when a man wastes seed. So what is the prescribed number of fasts for this? So uh, the prescribed number of fasts for this, according to the Tikkunet Shuvah of the Orizal, is 84 fasts. So if a person does this, like uh, does this, engages in the sin many times, so let's say if a person does this 10 times, 20 times, whatever it is, for example, then according to this understanding, then they would need to fast 10 or 20 times 84. That's a lot of fasts, right? It's like 840 fasts or 1,680 fasts. Like, again, you'd be fasting your whole life. It's it's really, it's it's a lot, right? And so, and, and the reasoning behind this is that this is comparable to the chatat offering. So the chatat offering was a type of offering. This was a, this was a korban that was brought, a sacrifice that was brought. For every instance in which a person violated a negative commandment, they would, so every time a person would violate a negative commandment, um, and this would be like when they accidentally violated a negative commandment, then they would have to bring a korban. So this korban chatat. So every, this was for every single time. So this was the um, reasoning behind the idea that every time a person, God forbid, commits a certain sin, they have to um, fast those prescribed number of times. So 10 times, 20 times, whatever it is, right? And however, the the flip side, there's there's another opinion that says that, no, it's not like a korban chatas, it's actually like a korban ola, which what was a korban ola? A korban ola was brought for when a person would neglect to do a mitzvah ase, a positive commandment. And even if a person neglected to do this positive commandment many times, they would become uh, atoned, the, the atonement would come to them just through merely bringing one ola. They didn't have to do this a bunch of times. They didn't have to bring an ola every time. They um, they committed this uh, this omission of the positive commandment. It was just once, and that um, fixed them up for life, <laughs> or at least up until that point. And this is explained in uh, in the um, in the chapter in the first chapter of Zvachim. And so 
the accepted decision for this, so they kind of came to a compromise, it sounds like, is that you do it three times. So it's that you can fast three times the prescribed number of fasts for whatever the particular sin is. So for example, if we go back to the sin of wasteful seed, so which was 84, so you would do 84 times three, which is 252 fasts. So basically, if a person engaged in a sin of wasteful seed, even if they did it many times, if they all they need to do is they need to fast three times whatever the prescribed number of fasts are for that particular sin. And that's true for not only the sin of wasting seed, but really for any kind of transgression or any seed or anything like that. And why is this? This is because of the teaching in the Zohar. And this is at the end of Parshas Noach on page 73b, where it says that as soon as mortal man sins once against God, he makes an impression right? So it's like every time we sin, we don't only blemish our souls, we make an impression above. If we do this a second time, then it makes an even greater impression. And then if we sin a third time, God forbid, then this this blemish, this impression that we make penetrates from one side to the other is what the Zohar teaches us. So thus, uh, we need the number of fasts to also be three. So uh, and that's the end of the section for today. So again, so it's just going back to the intro and what we're talking about is it fits very nicely with this idea of three, of this idea of the, the rule of three, that if a person engages in any activity here, we're talking about a negative activity. If they do it once, okay, not great. Twice, not great. Three times, it's kind of made an impact. It's like this, it took over basically. But the good news for that is that then if we want to rectify the impression that we made with that activity, three times is good for that as well. Three times is the amount of times, the three times the number of prescribed fast is what's going to make that lasting impression to eradicate the um, the negative impact of the sin. So that's it for today. And tomorrow we will continue this chapter and I'll speak to you then. Thanks for listening to the It Is Top podcast hosted by Sarit Switzer. This podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather, Abraham Yitzhak ben Binyamin Cohen of Blessed Memory. Music by Shoshana. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, please share it with others and subscribe on YouTube, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to leave us a five-star review. To find out more about the It Is Top project, including more information on my soon-to-be-published book, please visit our website, itistaught.com. To catch the latest from me, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Looking forward to speaking with you tomorrow, and until then, have a great day.